Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. This afternoon, we've got a first timer on this edition of the program. We've got Dan Parson, Damian Parson himself from the Draft Network. Dame, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's uh, preseason football is over, and we got week zero out of the way for college football. So we're got to get into some real juicy, great matchups coming starting this weekend. So life is good, man. How much of a break do you give yourself after May and after the draft, and it, everything wind, uh, winds down for a little um, bit? After the draft, we tip like for TDN, we typically like we get like a week or uh, about a week or two to just kind of decompress after the draft because of the grind from mm. literally summer scouting all the way till you know to the actual draft event. And you know, once we come home, we take a little bit of time off, like it's about a week or two. Uh, we still do like some content, but like in terms of watching film and things of that nature, we try to you know, give our, our eyes, our brain, everything, just time to just relax for a bit. Then we start summer scouting in the beginning of um, beginning of June mm-hmm. uh, before like, you know, get a, right before like training camps and preseason, we all try to get our vacation in it as well, just to reset and get and really be real relaxed and fresh for, for another, uh, what, 10 months or so grind. Absolutely. Have you ever watched a player so much on tape that he's popped up in your dreams? (laughs) I haven't had that. I've, I've, I've watched the guy so much to the point where like, I'm trying to type somebody else's name, whether it be a tweet article, Mm -hmm. whatever, and that guy's name keeps popping up, and I'm like, I delete the tweet. I think it actually just happened to me recently. If mm. I'm not mistaken, I got two different, uh, two they had the same fir- similar first names, different last name, but I've been talking about the other kid so much that I ended up typing his name out, <laughs> and like the clips didn't match, so I had to delete the tweet and redo it. <laughs> I mean, hey, it's a I. I'm amazed by like how you're able to keep all these guys together. I mean, one of the things that I think uh, in college football that's changed and it's just the nature of the beast. But I think I, I wonder what, for you guys where there's just so much movement that it's really has your job gotten more difficult with the portal with guys moving around and systems moving around because Look, like I'm not saying, oh, just like let's all shed a tear for the sports writers uh, <laughs> for what's happened here. But I think uh we can have the conversation that like the portal is good for athletes and bad for sports writers i think that's a fair assessment where it's like it's significantly more difficult for us to keep track of where everybody is and um where what systems there everybody's running like everything is i think a lot more jumbled and i think it's just the casual fan has been x'd out of college football i think i think Mm -hmm. it's really really hard for a casual football fan who has like an accountant day job to now keep track like you can't just get phil Steele's annual and be ready to go because there's just so many you're like wait who every year there's just going to be so many guys moving around but for you because like we used to have this thing where you got to see a guy in the same system with the same staff for three years or whatever it was now you might see a guy play in three different systems over three years and then oh he's ready for the draft and you're like all right well i gotta figure out uh, who this guy is who's played in three different systems and i don't really know what he is have you found that to be the case no, hundred percent, and I think that's just the the the, the landscape of college football is uh, ever changing beast. And with mm. the with the 
transfer portal, it does make things a lot harder to to keep up with, you know, because there's so many guys. You got the transfer portal, you got NIL, and and those two things combined mm. make it difficult to figure. Okay, this kid was at Florida State last year, and you're prepping through. You know, you get your assignments. All right, summer scouting. I gotta watch this kid. So, and you look at the spreadsheet and like, wait a minute, he's in Michigan. Like, mm-hmm. you gotta make sure that's not a, a, a typo. Make sure that was correct. And then you look like, yeah, no, he transferred to Michigan. Like, so it's like you always have to, no matter what, like, no matter what your preconceived notion was from the previous year, always like go always check the school rosters. Mm-hmm. You know, look up the kids' Instagram account, their Twitter account, everything because they 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 especially Twitter like they will post their their transfer intentions and different things of that nature, um, typically on Twitter. Um, so definitely always want to just keep, keep stay updated. It's hard, mm. but it, you know, it's, it's very well worth it. Cause you don't want to go into a situation where you're supposed to be discussing a player and you put the wrong school and, you know, different things of that nature. You want to make sure that you're, you're on point um, as much as possible. There you go. Well, before we go any further, don't forget, folks, you can watch us on YouTube as we continue growing out the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast. So you can watch this interview and every other episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast there and also Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you hear podcast, the Chase Thomas Podcast every single day here on the Blue Wire Pod Network. Great interviews like this one right here with Dame. So make sure you're subscribed on your preferred podcast player. Um, so, Damien, I want to first start off. This is like this is something that's extremely interesting to me because week one, right around the corner, week zero in the books, but I'll be in Neyland for the Thursday night affair against Ball State. I'm going to guess you're not going to watch a lot of tape uh, from Tennessee (laughs) Ball State on that one, but um, it'll be fun. Like we're going to score a lot of points. Uh, That'll be fun. And Tennessee's offense is uh, a lot, a lot of fun uh, that you, I'm sure, are quite aware of. Uh, But who do you already have your eye on? Like, the way I organize my weekend viewing is not the same as how Damien and the Draft Network guys organize their weekend. So mm-hmm. who do you have already circled there? Like, I'm really, really excited to see this guy play week one. Oh, man, I'm, 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 I'm going to kick it off with, uh, you know, I've and most people will probably tell you I'm, I'm probably leading the charge for Anthony Richardson, quarterback out of Florida. I, you mm. know, we a lot of the talk this this. This preseason and this, the 2022 NFL draft class from a quarterback standpoint was, man, this class really isn't that good, right? Mm-hmm. And and the 2023 class is much better. And, and to an extent, that is true. It's more so the 2023 class has a lot more physical talent. You know, you have, the, of course, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud at the top. Then you have Will Levis. You have Hendon Hooker. You have um, uh, the young man from Stanford. Blanking on his name for some reason right now. Uh, you talking about the quarterback Tanner McKee? Yeah, Tanner yeah. McKee, and, and of course Will Levis, Anthony Richardson. There's a lot of different guys that can really step up. It's no like the battle for QB one at the moment is a two man race heading into the season, but it doesn't stay that way once we get halfway through the season, right? Like we're going to see one of these toolsy quarterbacks, whether it's Will Levis take a step or maybe even him and Anthony Richardson. But Anthony Richardson starts the season off against a good Utah team that plays good defense. They're well coached. And this is a team that people expect to be – some people predict them to to be the Pac-12's first entry into the college football playoffs and into the four-team race at the end of the season. And – Having Billy Napier, new head coach, Dan Mullen's gone, and the 
the just the uncertainty that he brought when he can how to, you know using guys properly. We saw he didn't use Texans rookie running back Damian Pierce nearly enough, and everybody will not forget that. So mm-hmm. it's like now you have Billy Napier, who's he's still in a different level of confidence. Listen to Anthony Richardson talk about how the guys are are guys eventually bought into what he was selling, and everyone has the lead from leadership on down in terms of the players. They're all they're all in with Billy Napier, so it seems like a less toxic, more cohesive situation down in in, in the swamp. And when you look at Anthony Richardson, man, the, the talent he's six four, six five. 240 pounds. He runs a four five in the 40. He has a rocket of an arm. He may be the he may have the best set of physical tools, in my opinion, in this class. Now he just has to go out and throw the ball at a high rate. You know, he's gonna have a lot more opportunities being the full-time starter. There is no question about that. He stays healthy. Uh Chase, I, I really feel like he's one of those guys that he puts it all together in 2022. It'll be a one-year true sample size, but he's going to be – he – and I, I think I said this on the Town Factor podcast, which is our college football podcast, and me and my guy Keith Sanchez um, host that you can find on, of course, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. But we mm-hmm. talked about um, – when it comes down to, like, the quarterback situation, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, their two biggest rivals right now is Anthony Richardson and Will Levis because these are the guys that the NFL typically looks at, right? Everybody's looking for Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and Anthony Richardson, to me, is very much so like a Cam Newton. Just hmm. I feel like from a passing standpoint, he has better mechanics and a better feel. So it's like when you got a guy that big, that fast, that physical, that explosive, and then he has the arm talent and the mechanics to throw accurately downfield and attack all three levels of the defense and really make you play 11 on 11 and cover each blade of grass, that's very, very difficult to game plan for. So I'm looking forward to watching him. Um, there's, this is a, I'm, I'm excited for this weekend, man. There's mm-hmm. a lot of different guys. Um, you know, Miles Murphy from Clemson, the edge defender. Man, I'm extremely excited to see how he uh, just kind of compounds and, and stacks up Another great season. And, and yes, Will Anderson, you know, we all know that he is the top dog, uh, you know, at the edge one position. But that edge two, to me, solely belongs to Miles Murphy. He has mm-hmm. all of it um, we, we, over TDM. We, we kind of nicknamed him, nicknamed him Trayvon Walker with Ben. Like he has he can bend the corners and bend the edges. Great length and power at the point of a, at, at the point of attack. Good hand usage to defeat and deconstruct blocks and win the edges, and then he also has the ability to sell the outside the outside uh, path and then stab and go right right inside of uh, offensive tackle and cross face. So he's he's an interesting player as well, man, and a really really good player. So those are some of the guys. It's a lot of guys I'm looking forward to seeing this week. On the flip side, though. They're hosting Utah, right? So you've got Cam Rison coming in the building, uh, former Texas kid. Uh, I'm curious, does he have any path to, I mean, a lot of people, they're the favorite to throw in for the Pac-12, finally back into the college football playoff after years away. And a lot of that stems from what Cam did. And he obviously beat out Charlie Brewer last year and um, was a really good player. Uh, for Utah. Mm-hmm. But when you look at what he can do against Anthony Richardson, is there any path to him jumping into or just kind of rising up the ranks and becoming an NFL type quarterback? Or is that just unlikely for rising? No, I think he can. I think, uh, you know, his tools aren't like he, he's not the most toolsy guy. He's not, he doesn't mm-hmm. have the biggest arm or, you know, the most mobile or the, even the biggest frame, but he's a baller. He's a gamer, man. Like he, he comes in and he, he, the energy and, and with his play, 
I mm-hmm. think it's big. And you saw the difference when he took over the starting job last year. Utah's offense kind of just took off. They looked better. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they had more energy. They looked more confident in what they were able to do. So I definitely, without a doubt, I believe that like he has, you know, and that's, again, it's a big showcase for him. You know, week one, you know, you walk into the swamp and you got Trey Dean at safety. Um, you have Avery Helms at, at corner. You got uh, Miller at, at, at middle linebacker and Brenton Cox Jr. at edge and Gervon Dexter at, at interior defensive line. You have some guys that you have to be aware of and be prepared to face off against from that defense. And they know they can get to the quarterback. They can play good coverage and they have a, a very vers- a versatile secondary as well. So, no, if he goes up there and he lights them up, and, and it's a, at the end of the day, it's an SEC team, and we know what that does, not just for the committee in terms of if they run the table and one of the teams they knock off is Florida to win the table, and they go undefeated into the Pac-12, that's big. That, that To me, that almost pigeonholes them, mm. like, Put that name in there as one of the in the one of the top four because you can say oh Cincinnati didn't beat the SEC team last year but they made it to the playoffs if, if Utah goes in and Cam Rising leads them to an undefeated season and they knock off the Gators in Florida yeah no they you could go ahead and pencil them as a, as a team that is for sure going to be uh, one of the four teams in the playoffs but this is an opportunity for him to just go out there show his skill set show that the moment's not too big for him. Because it's a seven o'clock game too, like mm-hmm. on the East Coast. Like, man, that's close. That's as close to prime time as you're gonna get. Uh, you know, heading, you know, with college football. So, absolutely, Cam Rising has a big chance to go out there and, and and plant his flag and watch his name, watch that flag kind of raise up the flagpole. With quarterbacks, I think it's so interesting because we've all just penciled in CJ Stroud and, Alabama, and uh, Bryce Young from Alabama going one two, right? Like, it's just penciled in. Like, they're the two two for quarterbacks taking. It's like. We see this every year. That's not how it's going to go. It's not going to be that clean. One of those two are going to drop. We don't know which one of those two. But let me ask you, this is a two-parter. Of the two of them, who's more likely to dip uh, come draft time next year? And of the first-round mock quarterbacks at Draft Network and what you guys have seen, who is most likely to start the year in that first round but to fall out of favor in that Sam Howell-type zone? Oof. So I so first the first part when it comes to CJ Stroud and Bryce Young, the one thing that will impact this is going to be measurements, and it's going hmm. to be Bryce Young's measurements, right? Bryce Young has the arm talent, like he's mo- he's extremely mobile. Like, like hmm. I don't think people realize just how quick and fast he is as a runner with the football. He's an improviser. He's not someone that you're going to run a ton of read option and QB power and veer and things like that with. But he's a guy that. When things break down, he can make plays with his leg. He can extend windows. He can extend plays and, and create second reaction opportunities for for his receivers and create a scramble drill. C.J. Stroud doesn't offer that as much. Mm-hmm. I feel like he can move. He, it's almost like he's reluctant to, so people peg him as just a pure pocket passer, right? But because of the fact that he is a bigger, you know, taller, longer-armed you know, quarterback, that you're like, okay, well – he drops back. He doesn't have to get a, a a great amount of depth in the pocket on his drops to see over the offensive line. You won't have those questions with CJ Stroud, mm-hmm. right? So that's where you know, because we at the end of the day, we know it doesn't matter how big you are, like they're going to be, I would say, traditionalists. They're mm-hmm. like, okay, he doesn't meet the height requirement, 
right? Now you we we do see the Kyler Murrays, we've seen the Drew Breeses, we've seen the different shorter uh, spectrum quarterbacks, Russell Wilsons, and those guys. But from a historical data standpoint, it's not a it's not a strong case. So if anybody mm. out of those two, if any one of them were to drop, I think it would be Bryce. Um, and when you look at the quarterbacks that are, are that have been mocked in the first round, we've seen Tanner McKee in the first round. We've seen, uh, of course, Anthony Richardson has made a couple of our mocks in the first round, and um, you know different things like that. I think it, if, if any of the guys that have been mocked in the first round that could drop, I think for me it would be Tanner McKee. Hmm. Um, McKee has a really strong arm. He's six six, big, tall, high hip, long leg guy, but. From a mechanical standpoint, there's some things he's got to clean up, right? And, and a guy like him, he's not really mobile. He's a pocket quarterback. So typically with those guys, you have to have a strong interior line. I'm talking left guard, center to right guard to keep his lap clean, right? Mm-hmm. I call it putting the putting the like you're at dinner and you put that that napkin over the lap so you don't <laughs> so, so you don't waste any food on your good on your on your good pants. Like that's what you have to do with with, with, with more pocket style quarterbacks, right? We mm-hmm. know Tom Brady. Tom Brady's arguably the greatest of all time at quarterback, right? Tom Brady is not really extreme. He's not mobile, right? He's not a guy mm-hmm. that's going to give you the run threat. He'll he'll sneak up on you every once in a while and, and get a first down, but it's very rare. But the main thing with him is you if you pressure him off the edge, Avon Miller isn't Tom Brady's worst nightmare, right? Mm-hmm. Even though he can bend, he's got to explode. That's not his worst nightmare. It's Aaron Donald. It's the prime J.J. Watts. Those guys that can collapse the pocket in his face and in his lap. With Tanner McKee being 6'6", being so long-legged and high-hipped, he has it over – he overstrides with his lead foot, which causes the ball to dip, some some inaccuracy in ball placement. He's got to learn how to throw with the changeup. I talk about with quarterbacks being a pitcher. Don't just be the fastball guy because eventually, just like with batters, the defense is going to figure out the fastball. They're going to time it just right, and they're going to make that interception. They're going to make that pass breakup. It's going to be a tip drill. Your receiver is mm. not going to be able to catch. Know how to change it up. Give me a changeup. Give me a slider, right? Give me something else, like alter the speeds of your throws, and that will help him because he wasn't the best deep ball uh, deep ball passer in college football last year as a result of that. He didn't know when to pull the string and just put touch rather than put so much steam on it. So those are the things that, to me, and he hasn't played a lot either, right? He played mm-hmm. – you know, last year, but uh, and the results were kind of up and down. Like I said, when things aren't when when, when things break down, he's not someone that he, he can shuffle and slide. But again, you have to make sure you protect the interior offensive line for him. And I just feel like his game isn't easily as translatable as others, right? You know, mm. Anthony Richardson, which we just did. You know, uh, if anybody you know wants to kind of watch us break down tape, me and my guy Ray uh, Ray Garvin, Ray G. Um, on the Draft Network's YouTube page just did a film session called Four Downs, which we started two mm-hmm. weeks ago. Uh, we did Anthony Richardson this past Friday, and we showed there's a play on there against, I believe it was FIU, mm-hmm. uh, where they have a free runner, defensive tackles bearing down on him, and he jukes him and, and gets by him, right? And not only that, then he runs, jukes two more guys, stiffs arms a guy, and then hurdles a guy. And mm-hmm. it was just like, it's those type of plays where it's like, yeah, Tanner McKee's not doing it. And it's like, you know, when, when there's a free runner, 
he's nearly dead to rights. And it's like, mm-hmm. those are the plays where defenses like guys like that in the, in today's NFL, the defensive fronts, the front sevens are much smaller. You have more uh, hybrid linebacker safeties. Mm-hmm. And when you start seeing these comp, these, these um, complex blitz packages where they're showing blitz from one side and they're dropping off. And here's the fire zone coming from the opposite side of the formation. And you got a free nickel. Tanner McKee's not the guy that's going to be able to evade or elude that. So hmm. it's like that's and that's what defenses want. They want guys that can't can't get away from that guy. Like and, and when you have a, a mobile quarterback, it makes things we call um we use the phrase uh make things wrong right. And and, and you know what I mean? So it's like the pass protection's wrong, the 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 defense has everything right, but it's wrong for the offense, and then you have Josh Allen who can Pirouette in the in the pocket, stiff arm mm. a guy, reset his feet, and throw a sixty yard strike to Gabe Davis. And it was like he just made everything that was wrong about that play right because we just scored. And that's what that's what teams really are looking for nowadays. We see with you know Malik Willis and the splash plays he's made in this preseason. So if anybody was to fall out of the first round box to like this second, third, or possibly fourth round, I think it would be Tanner McKee. Interesting. I like it. I've also, when Joel Klatt said on a podcast uh, a few weeks ago where he was like, I think he compared Bryce Young to mini Aaron Rodgers. It was something I couldn't unsee where like what you just described of just the freelancing and doing stuff on the run. And if he had Aaron Rodgers size, like I think that'd be a pretty common yeah. comp, right? Yeah, I, I, I would like that. He reminds me, Bryce, I mean, and some people say it's low hanging fruit, but he reminds me of a twitchier, quicker Russell Wilson. Hmm. Where like you know there's like like I talked about just you know when we were discussing McKee just now there there are plays where Bryce I think it was in the Auburn like the toughness that this kid bestows man the Auburn pressured him twenty times I think he was hit double digit times and sacked seven times he took a beating in that Iron hmm. Bowl game but it's like okay I, I compare it to boxing you're gonna take your hits. Mm. But can you counter? Can you keep getting up? Right. Like I think back to the, the old Rocky films, you know, mm. he's going against uh, was it Dragoff or whatever, like the mm. Russian. He's getting his he's getting his block knocked out. He's getting his butt whooped. Mm. And it's like, I'm still getting up. And like the Russians are like, this is just can't be possible. Mm. And, and you know, and he's in Russia. And the crowd kind of turns to Rocky side because all right, this this guy's got some <laughs> he's got some stuff about him. Like mm-hmm. And that's Bryce Young. Like he's got that. Like he's he took that beating, and he never wavered. You know, like he kept throwing, he kept punching to the point where they're they're in in risk of losing this game, and he throws a beautiful pass to Jacory Brooks down the right sideline over the right shoulder, in the corner front corner front corner of the uh, of the end zone at the pylon for, to take it into overtime. Mm-hmm. Then of course the 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 famous whip route that John Mechie runs against Roger McCreary to end the game and to win that game for him. But th- we've seen quarterbacks. I mean, you know, no shot to Sam Darnold. Uh, you know, I hope he gets well because he's got the 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 foot injury from mm-hmm. this weekend's preseason game. But remember, he took a beating early in his Jets days, right? And what he starts seeing, ghosts. And that's what happens with some quarterbacks. They're just not physically or mentally tough enough to take that pounding and keep punching. And mm. Bryce Young can do that. So I like that. I just, I feel like he's a um, he's a quicker Russell Wilson. Like he can free runners. He can make guys miss, and he can extend the pocket. He's got a little. He's got even some of the the improv. Like you see 
uh, Brett Favre, you know, he's right-handed, but he's running to his, to his right side. He's got somebody bearing down on him. He just, like, flicks it like a pitch with his mm. left hand. It goes seven yards to the closest receiver. They get the first down. He, he did that, I think, against Georgia. Like, he's got some very strong improvisational skills. When you look at how the draft unfolded this spring, where everybody went and watching some training camp, watching some preseason – which rookie or rookies do you think is in the best position to contribute right away and will be a really good player right away for his team? Oh, man, um, I'm, I'm going to go to the Pittsburgh. And I know some people are going to say, Kenny Pickett. I'm going to say George Pickens. Hmm. Like, George Pickens has been an absolute monster, right? It's crazy when people see him and he sells his release on run plays and then he just runs up and just bodies the corner because mm-hmm. he's blocked. He did that at Georgia, like, all the yeah. time. Like he did it all the time. He did it against Michigan to Dax Hill, who's the star, uh, which I'll talk about in a second, the star rookie over there in Cincinnati. But, you know, looking at the receiver situation, you got Deontay Johnson, you have Chase Claypool, you you drafted uh, Calvin Austin, but that other spot's why is the other spot's been open? And I think mm. that's why they drafted him. Now, there were some concerns about his maturity, but from a game standpoint, he's got the explosiveness. He's got the long, the speed to win vertically. Uh, he's a solid route runner as well. I think I like his routes, his ability to get in the blind spot and work DBs and man coverage. And then at the end of the day, his catch radius, his ball skills, uh, be able to track the ball downfield, attack it at his highest point, climb the ladder. I always say, well, guys like that, um, you know, the phrase I always use is you throw it where the kids can't get it. You know, mm. like, and you know what I'm saying? So it's like you put it where these smaller DBs can't, can't play with him uh, and, and play basketball on, on those alley-oop plays. Like, yeah, you know, you can, you can jump, but you're going to get dunked on. And that's kind of the situation with him. So he's, he, you know, he, he's, he's a willing blocker. He's tough. He's physical. Got great hands. He's got the total package to be a wide receiver one in this league. And I think he's in the perfect situation to come out early because I don't think – even with the way that he played in the preseason, I don't think teams are going to put their number one corner on him. They're going to mm. go to the more refined guy. The guy has proven himself for the past couple of years that they just paid, and that's Deontay Johnson, right? Because he's a route runner. He's quick. He's explosive. The one thing you don't want is, is cornerback two or three that isn't well-equipped to cover him to then man-to-man him, and you try to put your top guy on Pickens, and then he goes off. So Pickens mm. may have to earn some of that respect from defenses, but I think he's in a great situation to – thriving and i just talked about dax hill you know jesse bates he's 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 returned to the team came back to the organization signed his free agent tender you know because he knows he's not going to get it nine times out of ten he just watched um derwin james break the bank at safety Mm. cincinnati has to play pass to pay joe burrow they have to pay jamar chase they're gonna have to figure out the T T higgins situation they got a lot of people they're gonna have to pay jonah williams is gonna come up on the contract soon Mm. like at left tackle they're gonna have to pay Different guys, and because of that, Jesse Bates nine times out of ten is not getting them. Is nine point five times out of ten is not going to get paid by the Cincinnati Bengals what he wants. Now, if he's willing to take a team friendly deal, sure, I don't see that happening personally. Mm. So I think he's going. To, it's going to be a situation where he say, like, you know what, I am not doing it. I'm gonna play this season out. Um, I, I'm. God forbid, I'm praying that he stays healthy all season so he can go into the offseason. Maybe they trade him to a team that says, hey, we're just, we need to add this, this high profile piece in our secondary. He gets paid. But because of that, Daxton Hill, who anybody that watched him at Michigan, he is a do it all safety. He can play the single high, he can play split, uh, split zone safeties where it's two of them in the back and play cover two deep. He can come down in the nickel. He even plays, he's got the tools to play outside corner as well. 
And then, of course, he's in a tremendous blitzer off the edge as a, as a, def- as a defensive back. He will lay the lumber to un- like underwear quarterback. So he has a lot of those things that are very translatable. And he's been making plays this preseason. So even with Jace- Jesse Bates there, I think Vaughn Bell's their strong safety. Do not be surprised to see a lot of um, you'll see a lot of uh, Daxton Hill or Dax Hill on the field, even with those other two veteran safeties on the field as well. I like it. We'll end on this, uh, Damon. So when you look at the undrafted lists here, undrafted rookies, who do you who did you like coming into the draft? You were like, they probably won't get drafted, but I'm really interested to see where they get on with. Who was the one that you liked watching their tape, watching their film in the college game, and then where they ended up that you're like, I think this undrafted player is going to be good. Who do you think it is? I'm a, I'm a, there is a couple of different guys, of course, but I would say off the top of my head right now, like I like, and I mean, I don't know how much he's going to play once the top guy returns from mm. uh, you know, being healthy, but I like Jalen Warren. I was a big okay. Jalen Warren fan uh, running back out of Oklahoma state that went undrafted. That's, you know, he signed with the uh, Steelers and he's had a good preseason as well. Mm. And I've really liked what I've seen from him because he, he's just really, he's tough. He's physical. He's got some, some, some twitch and juice uh, in his game. He's got a compact dense bell, um, you know, got some long runs and quick feet. And, and for offense or running back room where, it's Najee Harris, Benny Snell, Anthony McFarlane. I think Jalen Warren could definitely carve out a role, and especially I think uh, the injury I heard was a sprained Liz Frank for Najee Harris. Mm-hmm. Liz Frank's period are never good. Yeah. So like to hear like it's it's like saying like oh yeah he's got a mild concussion. No, he's just he's got a concussion. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's like it's 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 interesting to see how they because I don't think he's played or practiced much since the injury in terms of Najee Harris. So if for some reason he's in doubt to start the season, I think Jalen Warren has earned not just a roster spot, but earned some quality reps. I like it. I like it. Uh, Damien, what can the good folks check out from you on the podcast front, the writing front over at the draft network this week? Man, um, you know, I'll be dropping a video talking about my five preseason stars, rookie stars, or just preseason stars all around, guys. That's really stood out to me this preseason. Um, you know, of give course, us like I said, give us a tease. Who give uh, us one? <laughs> Malik Willis from Tennessee. Okay. Tennessee Titans, man. That's that's I, I've, I he was my QB one coming in. Um, I, I we talk about like we just talked about with the QB battle for this year. Like, yeah, you can go, you can go safe. But if you, you see a guy like Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, they have a great season, it's really going to be hard to say, man, those tools are really hard to pass up. And mm. you see what Malik's been able to do. So, I'm, I'm you know, that that's one of the guys on my list. But uh, I have that coming. Uh, it's week it's week one. So, me uh, me and uh, Keith, well, like I said, we host the Talent Factor College or oh, Talent Factor Football Podcast. So, we're covering the college football season. Um, you know, and, and, and so we got our preview show coming up. Like I said, find us on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, I haven't figured out what I'm going to actually write about. Just, oh, I, I actually do know what I'm going to end up writing about. It's going to be more so uh, just picking one of the – because we do pro scouting too. So mm. pick one of my NFL teams and, and do three keys to their week one matchup. Um, okay. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I haven't figured out the team yet, but that's probably what I'm in. Falcons don't start Jalen Mayfield. Might be right. <laughs> That is definitely something that they should not do. Uh, unfortunately, he just have not – he has not – 
shown the reliability um, and, and you want to protect, you got, you got talented quarterbacks with the mm-hmm. veteran Mario and then the young kid Desmond Ritter, who have shown some really good flashes of arm talent, accuracy, ball placement, mobility, clutch gene kind of coat, like toughness, all of those things. So they have a really good, to me, they have a really good situation. Um, That's good to hear as a Falcons guy. Yeah, I like what they have. Kyle Pitts for a full year like, this year with Drake oh, London yeah. and company is going to be. Kyle Pitts in my life is just a, is a real <laughs> is a really nice thing. As someone the, the who despises the University of Florida, uh, just having him on the Falcons is uh, is nice. Now I can root for uh, the unicorn. So it's going to be oh, fun. Yeah. It, it is weird though, still with the college numbers for NFL guys with the number mm-hmm. eight tight end, and like yes. I'm still not really used to seeing stuff like that. Wide receivers, it was pretty easy. Like wide receiver doesn't affect me, but like it's kind of jarring to see a tight end with number eight. Like it's, it's still even, just weird. It's even worse seeing defenders. Like you yeah. know, what I mean? like you see a defend a linebacker with the number two or mm-hmm. twelve, and it's just like, bro, what is going on? College, you know they're I mean? doing the same number. You can have the same number if you're offensive. That makes it even more. Yeah, like, it makes it even more difficult a lot yeah. of times. You just have to know. You have to pay attention to body types and stuff like that. But yeah, man, yeah. It, it's it's like I said, we are here at week one of the college football season. A lot of great games set up this 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 um this week to really kind of set the stage for how this season is going to go. The the rankings, I, I just expect the rankings to be all over the place in college football this season because a lot of good. There's a lot of talent around the country and. Um, USC, shout out to, to Lincoln Riley and those guys over there. That's going to be an explosive offense. Um, I know a lot of people are pinching, you know, penciling in Utah, but I feel like they do not overlook, do not overlook what, what USC has offensively. Defensively, we got to see what they bring. They got some guys that, you know, on the defense side of the ball, there are some young guys, but if they take that step, it'll be, it'll be really helpful. But offensively, the firepower, the quarterback play, the play caller, it's all set up for them to average 42 points a game this season. I mean, look, the Apple Cup's going to be must-see. Michael Penix Jr. versus uh, the the JUCO transfer, who everybody, like, uh, what's his name, Ward? Cam Ward. Uh, Cam Cam Ward. Ward. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Ward. Listen, another guy's got kind of that three-quarter-inch type of release, and mm. he can sling it and, and you know – it's going to be an adjustment, of course, going from Incarnate Ward, yeah. uh, Incarnate Ward to uh, to the Pac-12. But you know, once he gets the timing and his field down, I think it's going to. I think he's, that offense is going to put up some points. I like it. Well, don't forget, folks, check us out on YouTube. Uh, like and subscribe, all that good stuff. If you enjoyed our conversation today, new episodes every single day here on this very feed. Leave us a five-star rating interview and tell us why you liked Damian being on this very program. And go subscribe to the good folks over there at the Draft Network as well if you have not already done so. Damien, thank you so much for the time today. And we'll have to check back in again soon. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.